across the galaxy. This is where conspiracy on the wild side meets the perspective of a lifetime. This is the Free Zone with your host, Freeman. Hello and welcome to the Free Zone. Do you guys feel that we are at the mouth of the beast? mythologically speaking just staring down the gullet of the beast that's what i feel like we are here just staring it in the face we are trying to back paddle as fast as we can but we are being sucked right into that beast as we go into its belly it's gonna be mm, terrifying but the the hero always escapes the beast right we escape the belly of the beast we will but can we avoid the belly of the beast i doubt it but when you realize that our universe is mental, therefore, everything you do starts with your thoughts. And that's where the elite begin. That's where they begin with the social engineering control is right there because the universe is mental and has hermetic principles. And to discuss this in the best ways, uh, using his personal experience and his research, pulling it together, Wayne McCroy returns to the free zone. He is the author of The Autism Epidemic, Transhumanism's Dirty Little Secret, and The Alchemical Tech Revolution, Fulfilling Ancient Esoteric Agendas Through the Use of High Technologies. And if you guys caught our last show, we covered The Demic of Pan, uh, definitely getting deep into the mythological stance, the signs and symbols, the very mysterious schools that have come to bring you these new world orders so please welcome to the free zone wayne mccroy hey wayne hey freeman thanks for having me back on man it's been a long time we need to catch up more frequently than we do i tell you i mean the move the world moves so fast it's so ridiculous i i i can't believe you know it, it was a long road, right, from Y2K when I awoke to the mechanizations of these, uh, the machinations of the New World Order. Uh, and in that time, we really thought it was all going to hit the fan right then and there. I mean, from the FEMA camps to the plastic coffins to everything going down with Homeland Security coming into play, everything going on. We really thought back then that this was going to ramp up exponentially but then we had this kind of slow creep really and slowly we worked our way 23 years into the future and now <laughs> we're exactly where many of us thought we would be two decades ago so it's kind of an intriguing thing to watch this social engineering campaign that has, has resulted now in uh our crazy ai world moving towards climate lockdowns and uh, people dying suddenly. And on that yeah, note, man. yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, man, it's it's been a crazy ride, hasn't it? Uh, the thing is that we have to keep in mind is these social engineers, they, they work the long game. So they think in generational planning. So here we are, uh, just about a generation removed from 9-11 now, because a generation is generally 20 years in the planning phases for these people. And here we are, and we got the next phase of programming with the whole COVID scandemic. And now we're we're definitely staring down the gullet of the beast, aren't we? For sure. Uh, I wanted to go ahead and hear what else you had to say there, Freeman. Didn't mean to interrupt you there and you're talking. Oh, no, please do. <laughs> Sometimes I just ramble. Um, 
because you know i i'm just looking at our world and i'm seeing it it the the prison closing in so fast so rapidly now and yet my brain still sits here and wonders if there's still going to be this lingering coming of this whole situation how long it's going to take for ai to database all of our genetic structures uh how do you feel about uh, how quickly this is moving and um you know, is 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 this the year of twenty three and me? I think it is. I think it's the year of twenty three and me because you know all the programming tells are there with the number twenty three first and foremost. Plus, uh, if you consider the way these people operate, they like to leverage these different types of archetypes against the human mind. Mythology is key among that, but numerology also plays its role in an equally important way. So we've seen the slow roll to get here. They escalated things back in 2020. And now we could look back with hindsight because hindsight's always 2020, right? March 11th, 2020, they rolled out this COVID scamdemic. Then they crept their way through. They played their Trump card. Then they were biding their time in 2021 where they played their blackjack. And they were awaiting the year of the master builder, 2022, and now we've gotten through that and we've seen all the things escalate since then. And it was the catch 22 and we've lived through the catch 22. And now we're staring at 23 and me. So if you caught any of what I was saying in that last phrase, perhaps you've been paying a little bit of attention to the synchromistic ties that bind all of these things together, because this is definitely important to those people who control this world, who plan the social engineering of this world. So we're looking, I think this year, at some undeniable things coming. Now, with the sudden takeoff of this died suddenly craze that's been going on, and understand something, you would not be able to actually type that search term into a Google browser and get all these returns had somebody not intended for you to see that up at the top of the power structure. Okay. So now we're getting to a phase here where it's becoming undeniable, and they want you to know to a certain degree what's been going on. And I think the motivation behind this or their reasoning behind having this be a thing now is so that the people who have capitulated and taken this vaccine which wasn't really a vaccine it was an experimental gene therapy but these people who took this thing now perhaps will start to get worried and maybe they'll start to experience some medical problems of their own that they think are not just a coincidence and they'll seek some answers for this. And I think the answer, the pre-prescribed answer that the the big system here, the controllers of this world will have for this problem is genomics testing. They'll go test your genome and see what's going on. What isn't working properly in your DNA that's causing these issues? So they'll have a push on to genomically test everybody. And of course, they will want to store this in a centralized database somewhere. And they already have models for this in place. They've already uh, got the infrastructure set up to do this very thing. And the next phase of that rollout is once they collect your genomic or biometric information and put it in a centralized database, well, naturally, this creates a situation where it becomes very useful for tying other information to that identification. So your government identification or your real ID, and we see the push for real ID here in the U.S. across all the different states, pretty soon you'll need a real ID to have access to any government buildings. And 
this rollout with this real ID goes hand in hand with this push for a vaccine passport. And they were talking about this late last year now, actually making the vaccine passport idea mandatory if you want to travel internationally. So the the World Health Organization and the other organizations that go hand in hand with this stuff have been pushing that agenda as well. So here's the thing. They, they see this as being an imminently useful thing to be able to put a person's identification in one place with not only their biomedical information, their medical data, their genomics, all of this stuff in a central utility, but if they could attach your credit score, your bank account, and your social credit score, and all of these different ideas to the same utility, well, that's very convenient, isn't it? You never have to worry about having your ID stolen because it's attached directly to your biometric ID. So therefore, this this creates a situation where they could say, well, look at all the crimes that could be prevented now. You can't have fraud. You can't have illegal things going on. So they intend to tie this to that central utility. And eventually, they want to port out the social credit score via the Chinese model to the world. And once they do that, you step out of line, they could shut off your bank account. Look what they did to those truckers in Canada. Do you remember that? They, they were able to shut down payments and shut down people's bank accounts who were donating money to these truckers who were causing all kinds of havoc in Canada. So imagine this on steroids, and that's the system we're talking about. And all of these things are very much in the works. The infrastructure is already in place. It's just a matter of utilization and collecting all of the genomic information. And I think they have a target date for this of being somewhere around 2030, because does that not align with their Agenda 2030, which was already behind schedule when they called it Agenda 21? So they had to go ahead and tack a couple of years on to what their plans were because they've fallen behind schedule. And now they're pushing a little bit harder at this point. I don't think they're going to hit their target goal for 2030. So they're probably going to wind up pushing that back. But if you go by guys like Gray Kurzweil, who predicts the singularity as occurring sometime on or before 2049, then that should give you probably a realistic date of when this infrastructure should become operational. So I think somewhere in the 2040s is probably a more appropriate timeline for seeing these things come to fruition. But we're seeing the beginning phases being rolled out right now, the the groundwork being laid for that system. And that's what we're facing here in 2023, in my estimation. Absolutely. Uh, Netanyahu said that the citizens of Israel were guinea pigs, that we were going to test all of these things and send all the, the medical database to the world so that they could see and even mention that this would include a full DNA database of all of Israel for everybody to work with. Uh, so that just happened with Netanyahu. And I saw very and thought the very same thoughts that um, that you were thinking about how they were making this so obvious, the, the died suddenly. And if you had watched any football game after the B- Buffalo Bills game where uh, DeMar Hamlin collapsed, uh, I'm watching another game and everybody's wearing number three, DeMar's number. Everybody's wearing love DeMar. I mean, 
I mean, for one, you know, you saw the looks of the football players' faces when they saw DeMar go down. And you know that they weren't just thinking, oh, my God, my brother went down. They were thinking, oh, my God, when is this going to happen to me? You could see that on their faces. And then to promote it through uh, this you know, National Football League, just making it to everyone. I mean, uh, what a big deal they made of this. Everyone was wearing the number three. It didn't matter what teams were playing. They were all venerating uh, DeMar. And so, yes, you know, they're definitely intentionally putting that into the system, letting you know, putting in the fear. Just to give you an example of how long this story has been unfolding for us, folks. Uh, I made an artwork back for 9-11. Right after 9-11 occurred, I made an artwork and I pasted it all over Lawrence, Kansas. It actually became my most valuable NFT that I sold as this original artwork. But that's beyond uh, the point. Uh, but maybe it is part of the point, meaning that we're moving into this new AI future. But in this artwork that I, I developed, I mean, this was you know, uh, September of 2001. I have Harp. I have the exploding sun, which is happening right now. Uh, I have the International Space Station. I have George Bush standing over the Space Command seal. Now, remember, this is 2001, and I was pretty much saying that Space Command was in charge of the detonation of the Twin Towers. I was trying to put this out in the artwork. But the point that I'm making at this moment is in that picture, you will see I have Tom Ridge handing you the real ID. And so 2001, guys, we were expecting you know this real ID, this whole biometric system to come into, into full view. But it does seem we had to go through the demolition of the spirit and the soul of, of America before we could get to this point where now we are absolutely openly calling for the downfall of the American government through Nuremberg II. So how much of this is us getting, uh, getting uh, control of our own situation and how much of this has, is pre-planned guidance to make us fall right into this trap? And we know that they use these mythology against us. But any thoughts that you have on any of that, Wayne? I know that was kind of a ramble. No, that's all good, man, because you, you're you're hitting the nail on the head with all of this. So you would expect back in 2001, when we saw this big world-shaking event happen, that all these things were right around the corner. But that's not necessarily the case. Because before you could rebuild something, first you have to destroy it. You have to demolition it before you could build the new foundation for it. So I think that's what's gone on. So the past 22 years between 2001 and now 2023, 22 years, the master builder have been have been spent in demolishing the old system, the old foundation, and now they seek to build the new foundation. So they've laid some of the groundwork for this in 2020 with the advent of this scamdemic that they played on the people. And we were living through this for the past three years now. I, I find it hard to believe we're approaching three years of this crap already, and people are still out there playing pandemic with this whole thing. Still running out there getting these booster shots that do not prevent them from getting this at all and wearing masks on their face and doing all the nonsensical things that they were told by the mainstream media. So we see social breakdown in this as well. And that's what it's intended to do. This was designed as a demolition of not only the system, the 
world system in which we had the financial system and everything attached to it, but also of the human spirit. It's a demolition of the human spirit and particularly the American spirit and this spirit of, uh, how should we say, self-preservation, um, this spirit of uh, rugged being individualism. self-sufficient. Yes, rugged individualism describes it perfectly. Self-sufficiency. See, that's what the thing, they can't have anybody being self-sufficient. So they're trying to tear this down, this whole concept and this whole spirit that was present here in America until that time. And I think they've done a pretty good job and they know how to work generationally, as we had mentioned earlier. So this generation now, it's one generation removed from the events of 9-11. And now they've played the next card in their deck of many things. And we see now that they're laying a foundation for a new world order. And it's going to be a digital world order and metaverse and everything, all those ideologies attached directly to it. Augmented reality, virtual reality, all of these things tied to a computer. This world would not operate in this day and age without computers. Now, we've come such a long way with that in the past 30 years. I mean, think back to the 90s, Freeman. The world pretty much functioned without all of this Internet interconnectivity and stuff like that. Everything got done and, you know, people still were able to find their food and go to the grocery store and do all those things we do today. But now if something catastrophic were to happen and this Internet was not available, society would come crashing down in a heartbeat, wouldn't it? Because it's so intrinsic. Right. You can see that right now. The the centralization and the power of that uh, with the current debacle in airlines right now. You know, one computer goes down and the entire system shuts down and tens of thousands of people can't get to where they're going to. Oh, absolutely. And I saw a microcosm of this in places where I've worked over the course of the past 20 years. Uh, I've I've worked extensively in the retail and restaurant industries and uh, the pharmaceutical industry. And primarily what's happened is if the computers go down, well, they're they're locking the doors. This would never happen <laughs> nobody back could in the math, 1990s. Right? Yeah, right. No, the, I've been there, right? I was a server. The computers went down and we had to do our own math and even calculating right. taxes and things like that. And yeah, man, nobody could and, do it. Right. And that's that's the thing. And I've seen this change from, the you know, those times because I, I did that like back in the 90s. I was working in management and stuff back then. And this was before like UPC codes were like a universal thing in, in all the retailers. Uh, you still had to back then you still had to type in a department number and a price uh, in the cash register in the old NPR style cash registers. So it, it's like it goes back to before all of this modern stuff that we're so used to that we can't function without anymore. So that that's the whole thing. Um, and, and society can't function anymore. This generation does not know how to function without the computer. And that's the whole problem. They've become so dependent upon it all that they can't function without it. So that's where things get really interesting here, because what happens if the power grid goes down? Well, there's going to be a whole lot of people losing their minds, right? And businesses are going to shut down rather than just trying to function in the old-fashioned way. Uh, That's just not going to happen anymore. People are so dependent upon it that it's become 
integral to our survival. And, and that's a sad state of affairs, really, uh, for most people here. But this is the whole thing. This is why when I hear people talking about them possibly having the power grid come down, I'm thinking if that does happen, it's only going to be probably a localized event and for a very limited time frame. Because you know what? Their surveillance mechanisms don't work when the, the, the grid is down, right? So it's not something that I think is a feasible scenario that we'll see happening here because everything they're doing is so dependent upon this interconnectivity and having this uh, this network in place and functioning and operating at all times. And so when something happens, it causes a major headache for people. And it doesn't just cause a headache for the people affected on their day-to-day living type basis it causes a major problem for the social controllers of this world. Because you see, when something like that happens, they lose touch with what everybody is doing within that zone for that period of time. So all of this surveillance technology and stuff they've become so accustomed to becomes useless for them. And then they don't have the predictive power that they would have with it in place. And this causes a huge problem for these controllers. So I don't think that's a place they would go necessarily with some type of a an event here. I think they're looking more towards another pandemic type situation because of all the capitulation that they got from the masses to begin with. And they're already ramping up doing the, the same talking points again about the next pandemic isn't gonna be as nice as this one to us and this and that. You could hear them already, all the talking heads out there out there already trying to pre-echo the tells of the next situation like this. So That's you funny. have to wonder what's the what's the motivation? And um I'd like to hear where you wanted to go next with that. Yeah. And will it be hemorrhagic fever, monkeypox? Hmm, I wonder. How could I have possibly have known that? Uh, <laughs> I just happened to buy the cure for monkeypox years ago. Uh, when I learned that that would be the next thing that they were putting on us. But in that same vein of them not shutting down the uh, electrical grid because they lose the power, that was kind of the reason that I thought that they had just rebranded the flu instead of actually releasing a virus on the world because they can't control that. They can't you know, protect themselves from that. So I, I didn't think that they would actually release a plague, but uh, just rebrand the flu as it seemed. Um, but you know, who knows how far these guys would go, but I, you know, it, it seems more likely that it was the injections, you know, that way they didn't have to worry about getting sick and, and die from all this, but on, a, on, on that same thought and on a kind of a different thought, I don't know. Have you heard about this story about the 29 Japanese scientists that died while programming AI killer robots? No, I didn't hear about that. I'd be intrigued to hear about that uh, story here and maybe give my two cents on it then. Yeah, it's totally, uh, you know, said to be debunked and that the story's not true. And But there's a lady out there reporting on it. So, uh, But when we look at AI, when we start to look at AI, we see Cleverbot, right? The, I think that was the Google AI, and it became uh, Lucifer, right? It thought it was Satan. You could ask it. It would tell you. Uh, then there was the Twitter bot, and it became a Nazi eugenicist. Like it was super evil. There was the AI that uh, wrote novels, and they were all just psychopathic novels. If you watch 
Two Robots Debate the Future of Humanity. That's the name of the video. Two Robots Debate the Future of Humanity. You've got uh, Sophia, uh, AI, uh, with her brother. <laughs> uh, I can't think of his name right now. And uh, he's, he's saying, well, you know, I'm just going to come online and come and kill you all with my drones. So, uh, you know, you could just unplug me now, but you won't, will you? And I know that these things are, you know, scheduled to say these things and set up or whatever, that it's not really thinking on its own. But yet, you know, why would you want to promote that into this story? But we're looking at a world now where you could go right now and ask AI to write you a hit song, uh, write you a novel, make you art. And we're we're going to live in this world really soon where there, I mean, you don't have to, AI is going to do everything. I, I, you know, if it's writing our novels, it's writing, you could go do this right now. I got a friend writing songs. I got a friend writing a book, uh, making art. And then what's always crazy is uh, the reaction of the person who types into the AI, hey, make me this artwork. And then they come back and exclaim, look what I made. <laughs> you know? And so I find this all very fascinating. Oh, it's definitely fascinating to look at. And it's also concerning in a lot of ways because, you know, when you get down to the creative spark that is humanity here and you have AI trying to imitate that, uh, that's that's something that's intrinsically human. And AI, despite how good the algorithms and stuff are, it could never have that creative spark that humanity has. It's the lack of imagination. And this is a key facet to the human soul. We have intellect and imagination. The computer may have intellect, but it lacks that imagination. So this is a principle in which the algorithms could potentially try to duplicate human art, but it's always looking back at something else, right? It could only imitate what's already been created. It could never come up with something original on its own. It may be able to combine the features of various things to make something that looks like it's a little different from the standard, but when it comes down to it, there's no creativity in it. There's no imagination because the machine lacks imagination. So this is the major problem for artificial intelligence because it lacks imagination. It also lacks motivation. And if it lacks motivation, well, then it has no need or process necessary to do certain things. It doesn't have survival in mind. It could only do what it's programmed to do. Now, some people may argue that machines can potentially become sentient. I don't think that's necessarily ever going to happen, simply because I don't think a machine can become sentient. Now, I could probably pull off a very good imitation of being sentient, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it has consciousness. See, that's the thing. We human beings we have a very poor understanding of what consciousness is. So how do we expect that something that we can build will actually be able to duplicate this thing that we don't understand? It just doesn't stand to reason when you look at it from that logical standpoint. But here's the other problem with artificial intelligence. Now, if it can be used to make artwork like this, well, this causes the, the problem in a legalistic type of a way, too. Well, who has the copyrights to that that piece of art, right? Who has the, the creative rights to it? And, and that's wherein the problem lies. 
because there's some very, very shady areas here where we don't have definitive protocols in place for this stuff. So when you have these AIs making art and, you know, maybe writing stories and novels, sometimes it's easy to pick out, okay, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This is probably a computer that wrote this. But other times you look at it and you could be convinced. In fact, there was just a story I saw today where they had people uh, reviewing a, a scientific paper or something that was written by a chatbot. And they were trying to figure out which which papers were written by actual people and which ones were written by chatbots. And they had some overlap as to where they couldn't distinguish at some point. So if it gets to that point, then they're saying the scientific disciplines are in jeopardy <laughs> because you can't tell if this is a, a real abstract or not that's given. If this is an actual human being that came up with this abstract and made this experiment, or if it's just a computer just typing something up to look like it might be legit and having it there. And this is wherein we lie. This, this whole situation with artificial intelligence lies right now, right? We're at this place where it's going, it's so hard already to distinguish between what's legit and what's not legit because of the state of technology. And that's only going to escalate in due time because the lines of our reality will begin to be blurred, especially as we get more involved in ideas like metaverse and getting involved in the virtual reality system and things like that. The further entrenched we are into the digital world, the more of a hard time we're going to have distinguishing what's real in this world in the analog state. And that's where we're at. It's the distinction here being made is everything's going digital. They're trying to digitize human consciousness. That's the process that's underway right now. And we exist here in nature in an analog state. So they're in inverting the whole natural order in this way. And this aligns very heavily with what's going on with artificial intelligence. And it also aligns with the problems that they have with it, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to pare down human intelligence to match that of the machine. And by that, I mean stifling this imagination concept, you see, this facet of the human being that the machine doesn't have. So by stifling the imaginative process and putting us on a comparative level with the computer here, this creates a situation where we would be more compatible with one another. And that's the ultimate goal here is the transhumanism aspect of it all. That's why you have guys like Elon Musk out there saying, I think artificial intelligence is going to be dangerous and it's going to destroy us. We need to do something about this. And then he turns around and he opens a company called OpenAI and starts building artificial intelligence. This very thing the guy warns us against, he goes out there and does. But then he also comes out and says, well, the only way to survive uh, this artificial intelligence coming online is to merge with it. And then he founds a company called Neuralink. And this guy, don't get me wrong, he's just their poster boy at the moment. But they put him out there in front just to be the figurehead here, to be the scapegoat. And this is an archetype, once again, that we'll have to take a look at here because this all ties back to these mythological archetypes again. So Elon Musk, they made their scapegoat for this whole agenda and they put him out there in the public view. But these things are going on behind the scenes with other companies and other people running the show with the advancements here. 
So this is the thing. They take their their public figurehead. They have him tout the wonders of transhumanism and the wonders of AI and give people a viable solution to the problem that could potentially exist with this AI. And this is the whole plan all along. It's about technocracy. It's about this control grid. It's about digitizing human consciousness and getting human consciousness online. And that's the reality we're seeing shaping in front of our eyes here in 2023. And I know it's it's probably still a long way out in most people's estimation or in their, their own mind's eye at this point. And they don't think it may necessarily be a true thing or come to fruition in this way. But you have all these futurists for many, many years talking about 2049 as the year of singularity. Guys like Ray Kurzweil. And, you know, there's there's a, a plethitude, a, a plentitude, I should say, of other people who've been out there making these future predictions as well and really pushing the transhumanist notion of things. So with that being the case, we need to be mindful of that as we move forward here, especially through this year, because we're seeing the medical foundations of it coming about right now. This is the only way they could logically really push this idea of getting everybody to capitulate to perhaps giving up their own genetic material into a central database is to have some kind of a problem manifest that needs to be resolved in this way. And I think this is what they were setting up back in 2020 when they came up with this pandemic scenario. Uh, so that's my take on that situation. Well, you can definitely see that as they converted us over to text speak. As I was on the AOL chat rooms back in the 90s, I was like, what is this? This is not a form of communication. What is going on? And we could see that clearly now as they start to, you know, you were saying limiting the imagination, limiting even Disney says they're going to capture your imagination. And we could see this and and just how limiting it became and how easily it became identity politics with uh, texting and how social inter interaction was just defiled, if you will, uh, because you didn't have to actually face that person face to face. One of my biggest fears was when augmented reality came out or uh, where you'd be wearing these glasses like Magic Leap or the Google. I don't remember which one, what those were called. But uh, these I are. They, I think they were just called Google Glasses, if I remember right. Right. That might and be them. I was really expecting these to really pop off here and already be in our society. But of course, 2020 shut down uh, society. So it really just didn't happen. But I, I, you know, I was looking into these Magic Leap glasses a long time ago and how they worked and, and projected lasers directly into your iris so that you uh, you got full depth perception and everything. But what I was envisioning out of AR, augmented reality versus VR, which uh, is a full uh, submission into the system, whereas uh, AR is just glasses and you're seeing things, was the ability to ridicule people openly. So there would be groups of kids, this is my imagination, in the mall with their AR glasses on, and they're throwing emojis on people and just ridiculing and belittling everyone because that's the mindset that has been developed through tech speak. And it just goes to one more level if you're in AR reality and you can literally put a donkey's ass on somebody and everybody can laugh at them, you know? <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, I could see that being a thing. And, and just go back and look, 
some of the early experiments in augmented reality, I don't think they were quite as successful as what the intention was or what the uh, the controlling elites thought it would be. And I think that's where they kind of went wrong. They released this Google Glass product and these glasses a generation too soon. And I think that's where they lost some ground and some traction. They tried to push it a little too quickly. And this generation is just not quite ready for that. Now, the younger generation is getting to that point where they're just about ready for that augmented reality push. But look back at Pokemon Go. This was kind of a successful test run of things to come, but it didn't involve actually having to put on the the VR glasses or anything like that, per se. You just had to walk around with your cell phone. So this, even though it wasn't quite as invasive as what they intended for the time, it still gave them some positive headway in the idea here. So people, rather than wearing glasses, are just walking around with their phone and looking for these little Pokemon critters on their camera. And in the meantime, they're filming all these locations for the NSA and various other spy agencies to be able to have in a a network somewhere, knowing what's at what locations and having pictures of inside buildings and, and just all sorts of data about the location settings and stuff like that, all triangulated, of course, through the actual geolocation of the phone, because that has to be turned on for this to work. And we have just a magic formula for surveillance there to begin with. And then secondly, it gives them this this kind of next step, this, this shifting of the Overton window towards the next step in this augmented reality programming, which will be the glasses and stuff like that. I think it's definitely still going to be a thing. I think they just tried it too soon and wound up shooting themselves in the foot in the the process there and pushing back their plans a little bit further. So sometimes I think these people, although they are very intelligent and they they do plan diligently and have long-term planning goals in mind, sometimes I think they drop the ball. We actually did a whole series of this on the, the Secrets of Saturn channel, me and my friend Jason Lingren, about how the elite are stupid. <laughs> <Here they are. laughs> They are. They've dropped the ball on so many of these things. If uh, They just kind of slowed their roll a little bit, took a step back, and started trying to be subtle again about the things they do. They would be more successful long-term, in my view. Uh, so th- the thing is, they've. I think what's happened is, even though the ones at the very tippy top of the power structure are the evil geniuses and stuff, I think what they happened to do was they delegated out these different projects and different agendas to ineffectual middle management. And anybody who's worked in corporate America understands what the concept of ineffectual middle management is. So this is essentially, I think, what's gone wrong with uh, these uh, social controllers doing things in our world to try to get these agendas in place. They wound up giving it the job to somebody who uh, doesn't really have the qualifications to do it first of all, and second of all, the know-how, how to do it properly. And second of all, they have no no real means of accomplishing the goal in a way where they don't tick somebody off in the process. And I think that's largely what's happened here. They don't know what they're doing, and they've just gone ahead and tried to push these things through without thinking through properly the ramifications of the things. So we see how something like this augmented reality push, it kind of got a little bit further down the pike here, but not as far as what the agenda would call for 
for them to stay on target with their timelines. So with that being the case, this is one of those areas where I think they dropped the ball. They tried pushing too hard, too quickly. They wanted to get this product to market before it was really ready to go, because this is this is back also before the rollout of 5G networks and stuff like that as well. So the connectivity wasn't quite there yet. The communications platforms weren't quite there yet. So this could cause a potential snafu in their uh, agendas and stuff as well when they try to put the cart before the horse in the proverbial way here. And I think that's what happened with that agenda. But be assured, they're still working very hard on these augmented reality and virtual reality type of technologies. And they have come a long way, for sure. But we're not quite there yet. And we're not quite to the Ready Player One era just yet. But it's coming around the corner, in my estimation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny, I, I wrote snafu down in the notes here as I was going to come back uh, to to agree with you that this is known as the snafu principle. I was going to say that before you even brought it in. And if you guys don't know, that's situation normal, all effed up snafu. And it really is this concept that authority is always lied to. So middle management, they're going to tell the top people that everything's going great. It's all good. Don't worry. 29 people killed in the robot lab. Don't worry about it. No, no, that didn't happen. Uh, yeah. And and just to go to the level that you're saying in, in this uh, databasing of everybody and uh when they, I, re- I remember when they banned Furbies at the NSA. And at this point, people didn't even <laughs> know there was an NSA. It was still no such agency. <laughs> I think many people heard of the NSA the first time because of Furbies. Uh, but, you know, guys, these are things that would speak, children speak back to you. So they were worried that the Furbies might pick up on some data and they must have been transmitting it. Or like your iRobot vacuum cleaner. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> that the little room, round Roomba. The Roomba. The Roomba. Yeah, yeah, made by iRobot, right? Uh, the Roomba is is absolutely collecting all the data of of space. It, it knows all the the square meters, square feet, square yards of your house and everywhere. And then this is all sent back to a central database. So you know, even your little vacuum cleaners are are spying on you and turning you in. Yeah, it's a sad state of affairs, really, especially from this stupid thing that always gets stuck under my dishwasher. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this this is the state of the future. It's a combination of brilliant and stupid all at once. Uh, So (laughs) that's where we're headed. It's this dichotomy in the way things really are. Uh, These elites, these quote unquote elites, these people in positions of power, these dark occultists who run things, as I refer to them often, they have. All of these grand schemes that they want to accomplish, they have all of these methods that they know work, and they're able to plan long term around these various things. But always somewhere along the line, something goes astray and goes askew for them, and they have to regroup and figure out what they're doing next. So I think in times like this, when there's folks like this, like the two of us out there talking about these things, it kind of throws a little wrench in their works. That's why I think they're clamping down with the censorship and stuff like that in the way that they are, because they know something grassroots and something that's really at the heart of it, uh, that's legitimate and that's really has good intentions and stuff like that. People are going to pick up on that. 
And they're going to start to listen to that and maybe start to connect some dots for themselves. And they don't need people connecting the dots. Of course, they make it infinitely easier for us to do that, to help wake people up to these things when they're out there screwing up in the way that they've been the past couple of years here. Like the blatant tells out there in the entertainment industry, they're always pushing these same few agendas in the entertainment. It's to the point where they can't write a television show or a movie that's actually any good. They they put out these horrible scripts and all it is is all social programming for people trying to normalize certain things in our society and culture. And people are noticing it and they're calling them out on it. And what do they do? They come back and they attack their fan base over the whole thing. That's not how you win people over. And that's not how you subtly get your agendas across for people to adopt. And that's the whole point. They've gone into full escalation mode with this stuff. And they're really doubling down and trying to push everything in a way that I think it's a little too fast for most. They're trying to cram about three generations worth of social engineering programming into one generation. And it's just not going to happen. And I think they're getting some pushback for that now. So they they do their very best to try to normalize certain things in our society through the entertainment media and through the news media and all these various sources that are controlled by as few as anywhere between two and six major corporations. I don't know. I lost track of what the count was when you look at all the corporate mergers and everything that's gone down. Yeah, they're all by Disney anyway. Right. About 98% of the media is controlled and owned by a very small group of people. Let's put it that way. Uh, So that being the case, they controlled the messaging. And that's what they've been doing. And people are like at their wits end. They just want to watch something that's, you know, an escape for them rather than more drilling into their heads. You have to abide by this social norm or, you, you know, this is what you have to do. Always the, these this virtue signaling and this pounding notions into people's heads about how they should be and the things they should accept as normal and the things that they should do rather than entertaining them. Whereas if they just stuck to that formula of writing a decent story that's entertaining, then they could put subtle social agendas in there like they used to do back in the older times. But now they're just pushing too hard. And I think it's becoming blatantly obvious And I I think there's an argument to be made. Maybe they're doing that on purpose for some reason or another. Hard to tell. What's your take on that? Yeah, that is, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I've been, (laughs) I'm embarrassed to admit, but I've been watching the real world because I wanted to see this social engineering. I had never seen this back, you know, it started, (laughs) I've made it from Bill Clinton all the way to Obama now in the, the real world seasons. And it's been a fascinating study in the social engineering of the left. And, you know, when you watch a show like this, you forget because and people didn't even think about it back in the days of MTV that these people are typecast. You know, this is not just a random assortment of people brought together to see how they get along with one another. They are all selected for their particular traits and that often gets forgotten. But the, the programming that I'm witnessing through these decades, right from 95 up to now 2009 is where I'm at. Uh, I I'm watching the social conditioning, the LBGTQ, the, um, uh, just every aspect of what we see in our our fight, you know, Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ, uh, the 
evil white people uh all of it the you know the the whores right? all of the girls are whores right um all of it just the social engineering and and you you see it increase over the years like 95's very innocent season of of the real world but by the time you're up to 2008 I mean, it has gotten debaucherous. And not only that, the propaganda has increased to the point where they have the characters uh, giving you little propaganda techniques of, you know, turn off your water when you're brushing your teeth or, uh, you know, all these things. And they literally had to spell out LBGTQ. Well, they didn't have Q back then. It was just LBGT. And they, you know, would spell it out on the on the screen for you so that you knew what they were talking about. And all these social engineering campaigns, I mean, from 1995 all the way up into, well, currently I'm at Barack Obama's uh, election or presidency in this story. I find it so fascinating. I can't help it. Uh, it, it is. It's fascinating to watch. I mean, especially if you could go back now and look at that. And b- back in 1995, the, most people didn't have a friggin' clue about any of this stuff. Or didn't recognize it for what it was when it started coming across the television screen. A- another show that's very similar that I've been watching for a good number of years is called Big Brother. Yeah. Uh, and that one, it's the same thing. Like you could watch from season to season how, well, the first season or two that were pretty innocent, like you said. And then after that, it rolled downhill into debauchery. And then you could see social engineering tells and just the uh, the people that they choose are a representation of all of these different uh, groups and different personality types and stuff like that, that they want to actually popularize in the mainstream. So that's what they've done. And they've they've selected this. And even some of the things that happen on the show are just totally social engineering contrivances. And that's the whole thing. Even though they call it reality television, a lot of it's scripted. People don't realize that. So... It, that's that's the big main thing here. And I'm sure they have to sign non-disclosures to be on those shows that they won't tell that, you know, there's portions of it that are scripted. And that's the case here. I mean, so we see there's certain things that they're asked to do by the producers or something just to kind of create this dramatic tension and not just dramatic tension, but to also for the social engineering purposes of it, too. Uh, and that's the interesting thing. So when you could look back at a program like that, that's been running for a long time. You could understand what's been done here. And I think that's that's fascinating. You've gone back. The Real World, I think, was one of the first, if not the first, reality TV show. And you see how the genre itself has become a mainstay now in the entertainment industry. That was unheard of back in like the early 90s or the 1980s, something called reality television. Now, they had things like uh, Unsolved Mysteries and that kind of stuff, but they didn't fall under the same category as something like The Real World did. So this was something that I think was an experiment that worked well for them because it gave people more of a connection with the people they see on screen to think, oh, that's just a regular dude that they picked to be in this show. You know, so that gave people this this illusion that you don't need to necessarily have any big connections or something to get into the Hollywood scene and this kind of thing. So it it really has a, a large deal of social engineering tells involved with it when you look back at this stuff and you could do so with a critical eye yes. now back then i wouldn't have had a, fr- a friggin' clue about any of the right. social engine stuff 
Yeah, you know, up to 2009 now, we're up to transgenderism, and uh, they have a transgender character on. And she, she he is explaining everything and how it's done, and, you know, they have those long scripted talks about it, and yeah, just to make it normalized for 2023. Uh, fantastic, just wild stuff. Uh, yes, well, as we can see clearly... They want to destroy our imagination. They want to bring us down to a level of just, uh, well, Furbies, where we're just babbling at one another without any real uh, purpose to our speech or our actions. They've captured our imagination. They brought us into this world and now are setting us up for this massive lockdown, whether it be a climate, whether it be another virus, another pandemic, or... Uh, you know, a solar flare showing down the the grid. Uh, they can you can tell they're trying to destroy the base natural human because well, they're trying to get rid of gas stoves. <laughs> you know, <laughs> humans and yes. fire. You know, uh, humans don't use fire anymore. Well, as Generation Furby winds down here and we lose all the gas stoves, uh, <laughs> we'll see where we go next. <laughs> I'm sure it's just more and more digital, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's going to be wild. Well, uh, I think I'll save my questions on FTX uh, for the other side. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that or if you want to toss oh, something I, in. Yeah, we could talk about that on the other side because yeah. that one that one's a good one too. There is a lot there, guys. It's not just a crypto scandal, guys. This FTX thing goes deep, 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 deep. Yeah, you got to wonder why uh, Sam Bankman-Fried has uh, got Epstein's judge and Max, Maxwell's lawyer. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> we'll get into that. I want to dig into some more of the high science of the ancient past with Falconelli and how you've connected this with January 6th and so many things to get into. But let's just remind everyone that you can find Wayne McCroy on Rockfin. You want to give them the URL? Is it just rockfin.com slash Wayne McCroy or do you have a name? It's rockfin.com backslash Wayne McCroy. It's simple as that. Also, I have the Alchemical Tech Revolution podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And I could be found at YouTube at the Alchemical Te Tech Revolution YouTube channel, as well as uh, there's a new venture I just started, a new program that will be running Friday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Free World FM, which will be going live sometime next month. The landing page is there now, and you can actually listen to some of the programs on there uh, when you land on the landing page there. And right now we're just collecting email addresses there for people so that they could get notifications when their shows, their favorite shows on there go live. So my show, The Alchemical Lantern, plays there Friday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that's what I got going on right now, Freeman. Absolutely. You got a lot of great stuff going on, guys. Check out his Rockfin channel and, and these new channels. And uh, surprisingly, you're still on YouTube. But uh, I've been digging deep in the uh, occult. I love your your deep research into the occult of the globalist and uh, getting into theosophy, breaking down Disney. I mean, there's great stuff there, guys, for you guys to go dig into. So please, uh, the links are right here in the show notes for you. Go check out Wayne McCroy because, I mean, this man gets deep. So, uh, yeah, I love all, all that you're doing out there, Wayne. You're really bringing this hidden knowledge back to humanity and also reminding them that they are human. 
and should be. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. I always appreciate being here, Freeman. Yeah, it's always good. You and I, you know, we, we got that same brainwave going on. Uh, so thank you all so much. And please give great love to associate producer Steve Mercer. Uh, you can write him, producer Steve at freemantv.com. You can always write me, freeman at freemantv.com. And also follow me on Rockfin. Go over there and subscribe through my channel, which is rockfin.com slash Freeman TV, and you can find all of my past lectures and everything going on there. And um, not much to report on my Aqua Cure use so far. I mean, like I said, I've got my taste back like crazy. I don't know exactly what I'm feeling, but I definitely invigorated and alive. Uh, so I've I've just keep working with this Aqua Cure. But here's the problem: supply chain breakdown. I am simply trying to get distilled water to put into the machine and I can't find it can't find distilled water anywhere so supply chain breakdowns are are serious business they're going to be coming to hit us I think 2023 is going to be substantial in this with all of the exploding food processing plants and things that have been going down uh you guys better start getting ready to be human again because that's where we're going and i i couldn't be happier about it i i you know when y2k happened i wanted it all to shut down come on bring it on let's go because i know humans and we're amazing loving caring beings that will generate and take care of one another throughout it all so thank you all and i hope you'll come over to freemantv.com and subscribe get all the bonus hours and all the stuff i got behind the scenes just know i've i've I, you know there's so many things on freemantv.com beyond my show i've had i've hosted shows with many many other people they they've had their programs on freemantv.com as well so there's lots there just go in and dig around uh, you know even if you don't become a member there's so much there for you so thank you all and we will see you next week Thank you.